Saudi and um, uh, OPEC extending out their uh, production cuts. Oil has been going up. It has been absolutely nutty. We've had everything from Bill Gates trying to bury more trees uh, to absolutely all the other stories that we could come up with. And it is a hoot. I'd like to give a shout out to all of our fans. Subscribe, like, give us questions, and we can't wait to hear from you on anything. We are going to talk to you Sunday with Michael. Uh, We're going to release that podcast Monday morning. Have a great weekend. We hope to talk to you soon. New studies suggest global warming could mostly be an urban problem. Data matters. And who who reads the data? Now, whoever wrote that title has got to be a chowderhead because all right. That that seems like a stew modified title. I'll tell you that much. That seems like a stew modified title to me. All right. So when we take a look, it's well known that the cities are warmer around the, than the countryside, right? A lot of cement, a lot of hot air, a lot of politicians, while urban areas are only account for less than 4% of the global land surface. Many of the weather stations used for calculating global temperatures are located in those urban areas. So here we are, and that was some of the other articles we were going to do today, is that climate crisis and climate fear is generated by where the sensors are located at. Oh, that's why it's an urban problem. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm. You sit back and kind of go, oh, well, if you put your meters in the middle of the field where there's nothing bothering it, that's a different than being in the middle of downtown Dallas and you're getting barbecued by all the extra heat waves, right? Huh? Kidneys? Yeah, kill me. Kill me. <laughs> kill me. This, it's the same thing with climate. That's okay. I- it's the same thing with the arson, all the arson. You had Greece had 76 arsons that were uh, arsonists that were you had, you had to get that in there. I boomed the arson story, so you had to get that in there. I had to get it in there because it went along with this story. And then there were all of the arsons and uh, arsonists in uh, Louisiana. And then in uh, Canada, they're having all of them. And who knows what's going yeah, on mean, in Maui because I have here, no idea. Here's my thing. How much money did this study cost, do we think? Do we have any idea how much this study cost, Stu? No idea, but I, I think we need to open up a new division. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking, this This was dropped on J- July 19th, 2023, right. published August 28th, 2023. You've got 19, 23 authors on this thing. You've right. got 30, or was it 37 researchers, 18 countries. To tell me that where more people are, it's going to be hotter, that's what they came to the conclusion, Stu, me and you could have done that for half the cost. I'm going to uh, put not push back a little bit, but say I'm going to say 10 percent. This, for this the is big guy. this is why nobody likes the academic community, because they no. spend millions of dollars for a study. to show. Well, of course, New York's going to be have the cause of more climate than, than the, and like, duh. the problem is it's the people there think that it's not the I mean, I get what you're saying, urban density. But of course, we're going what I'm saying is I just, you know, you, you want to talk about why we're in nine trillion billion debt studies like this. Exactly. Now, hopefully the U.S. government didn't fund any of this. 
Oh, Hopefully uh, not. We probably only, funded more. The only way the U.S. government would have funded this is if there was gain of function research in it. Then we would have funded it. We would have funded. So, hey, I'm all for, I, I, you know, let's keep doing this. I'm all for basically, I mean, if, if you've actually read the IPCC's, you know, climate change report for guys who are, for, for, for people who don't know, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPBC, puts out yearly reports. It's a UN governing body. And, and if you've actually read the actual report, you would be much less bullish on climate change or global warming. It, they're very mo- What they actually say in the report is fairly moderate. What people in government do is, you know, it's like telephone. You tell one person, you know, you don't read the thing. One right. person tells one person that in the next, by the time it gets to the politician, it's seven degrees from Kevin Bacon. I mean, it's all over the place in terms right. of what people believe. I mean, we've seen, you know, we're all going to die in 10 years. That's not really what it says. So I'm all for studies coming out and saying, oh, you know, the even the IPPC could be overestimating what's going there, on. There's but two other let's, quotes let, that are critical. Let's spend our dollars funding something else other than, yeah, I'm pretty sure climate change comes from places where people are. Okay. This name, uh-huh. I can, th- yeah, this name I can pronounce. Dr. Willie Soon, Center for the Environmental Research for Earth and Sciences. For many years, the general public has been assuming that there is that science on climate change is settled. This new study shows that that's not the case. Okay, I could even pronounce his name. So I like. So you're right. It. Maybe yeah. that's worth the ten million dollars we spent on this study. But who's going to read that one line? And then who's going to read the other line in there that I picked up on saying, hell, it's because we're taking all the sensors and dropping them into cities in order to say it's climate change. I'm with you. And then you have the arsonists that are burning down the place. All right. So let's go on. They got to get the arsonists in there. Yeah. Um, I keep bringing that one up. We've got a, a great little segment here. We got a review. So Stu um, is part of the wonderful podcast, Three Pod. He's he's on nine podcasts. So one of the seven things that Stu does, uh, Three Podcasters in a Bar, um, sponsored um, and hosted by Sandstone Media. We love those folks. You guys got an opportunity to go on C-SPAN. So... Yep. There was about 80 people that saw it, which was sweet. A, f- a few more than watched this, just a few more than watched this podcast. Um, it was a it was a pretty good segment. For how did they find you? Because you you I, I we need to walk through this story. How does Stu Turley end up on C-SPAN? You know, I, I don't know that whole thing. It was a bit of uh, uh, RT uh, reached ah, out. It was an RT. Yeah, uh, but they had uh, contacted him about the three podcasters. Now, the three podcasters walk into a bar, R.T. Trevino and David Blackman. David Blackman is our favorite random guy on Substack. He's a random guy on Substack. He is the I'm the straight man. And then R.T. is the uh, EMP operator. So what a mix. And we are having a blast. And so they brought us on to this segment uh, for C-SPAN. Mimi is the uh, um, host there and she's phenomenal love love her she did a great job we had callers come calling in it was a 30 minute about uh david blackman got to answer questions because his knowledge he had mimi asked david about yep. his uh, on um uh forbes it's fantastic ask rt about his uh stuff as an emp operator it was phenomenal and uh anyway i got some feedback i want to hear your feedback well, first, it's it's it was cool to see like an like a straight up news program on TV just do thirty minutes uninterrupted. It's pretty crazy. You can call in, but you call in by party affiliation. Isn't that great? So there's like three lines. There's the Republican, the Democrat, and the Independent line. Then there's a text line. I tried to call and text. I didn't get in. Um, they answered the phone. I told them my name. They hung up on me. So I don't know if they I don't know what they heard or not. But um, it it, it was it was pretty cool. You guys look good. You actually looked good on TV. But it was. 
you guys mainly talked about his energy policy, energy hypocrisy. It was really an opportunity to showcase the three of your guys' expertise, I'm saying, quote, in the energy industry. Because what we got to do, Stu, is cover, I mean, some of the tweets that came out of this are absolutely hilarious. I tell people, the internet is always undefeated. I I called Stu yesterday as I was reading these. We were crying on the phone. So we've got it. We we got we got the top six tweets from Stu C-SPAN segment. We'll start six to one. Okay, first up here. This is my. This is just number six. What a waste of a segment. These guys are horrible. Ben Hayes. I agree. These guys are horrible. <laughs> number five. I love this one. First part. I've never heard of any of these podcasters you have on. And it goes on. I bet Tim Bo- Sager and I love Breaking Points, which is the uh, uh, Sager and Crystal. Love those guys. I don't get the rest of it, but I just love. I've never heard of any of these podcasters you have on. Hey, time zone. Me either, by the way. And this is great. This is Stu was talking and all of a sudden Mary Lou comes in. Now the one right winger is talking or brings up the border. Of course, like, Stu's got to slip the border in there. I did, and, and that was a good quote because the caller called in and said, sure. China is going to take down the grid, and I responded, and there's a bazillion right. Chinese. Of course, you got to bring up the border. No, I get it. All right, number three. Thank you, Washington Journal moderator and crew, for providing the show this morning. Your last segment should have been called Three Podcasters Walk Into a Bar, and they were misleading, biased, and unchallenged by a fact checker. Do better in the future. MLB? Stu is misleading. He misleads me all the time. Just, just kidding. Number two, this is a play on the title. This is what we got. These these top two are what we should rename the, uh, the you got to rename the podcast to. Three old guys walk in the oil industry, walk into a bar and run up a tab. A great time was had and they leave at the end of the night without paying the bill. <laughs> oh, Dion at Dion Kane 64. I absolutely agree. Shout out to Why pay their bill? It's mighty large. It's like, oh, the internet's it's Bidenomics. You go to the bar. Bidenomics, and- exactly. Dion, blame Bidenomics. Next up, the winner is Deb Johnson. This one, I'm still crying over this one. <laughs> is there somewhere I can go? Maybe the Wizard of Oz to get my quote thought leader license certificate medal or whatever designates me official thought leader credentials question mark. It quite possibly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You just got to follow the Rever- yellow brick road, Deb. And you at the end of it, you see Stu standing there pulling the strings. Oh, I was dying. Was fabulous. But, you know, uh, I, I want to give a shout out to Mimi. She does a fabulous job out on C-SPAN. And I was very impressed. Um, your new nickname is Oz. Street. Your new nickname that, is Oz. My, my new nickname is instead of Hefe, it's, it's Hefe Oz. My new nickname is Hefe Oz. Yeah, yes. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. So funny. The Internet, folks, is always as undefeated. You can check that out. Washington Journal. Um, You can go to our YouTube channel at Energy Newsbeat. Um, we're going to have all the clips available. We appreciate everybody checking us out. We're off to the EU and Russia. Um, several things in here just make it just absolutely wild. Belgium, Spain, and France have become busy designated carriers for importing for the EU. And Netherlands, Greece, Portugal, Finland, Italy, Spain, and Sweden are also listed by Global Witness as current consumers of Russian LNG, and they're based on shipping data appeared from Kepler, an analytics firm. Pretty crazy. Here's some numbers that just made it mind-boggling. The EU is estimated to have bought 
52% of all Russians LNG exports between January and July of this year, and it marks 49% of 2022 and 39% of 2021. This is nuts. That is a lot of uh, LNG. So even though they're not doing the pipeline, they're paying more. And on a podcast just a little while ago, we talked about the price difference of natural gas for the U.S. consumer versus natural gas in the EU. EU is around that $11 mark. And when you talk about the uh, natural gas is two thirty something uh, right now, somewhere in that range. So the consumers are getting it in the drive-through. So it's one of those kind of things. Uh, unbelievable, great article. Uh, so even though LNG volumes have increased, it's a relatively overall over of uh, the total energy is what they're saying. That's not what the other folks have said. So it's kind of interesting on that. Saudi Arabia uh, has put out on Tuesday, said it extended its 1 million barrel per day voluntary oil production cut until the end of the year, according to the state-owned Saudi press agency. Let's see here. See if I can get a good quote. And Saudi Arabia depends on its oil revenues to support several so-called giga projects designed to diversify its economy. I have to always say I don't always agree with the social humanitarian things going on in Saudi Arabia. I hand it to the Saudi Arabian leadership for their energy policies and taking care of their Saudi first. So. Uh, you have to admire Saudi Arabia on their energy policies. There would be less wars if everybody followed that. Riyadh had a GDP slowdown, which is a slowdown from 3.8% from the previous quarter and 11.2% in the same period of 2022. So Iran's oil minister, Javad Awi, in the middle of August said, that his country was producing as much as 3.19 million barrels per day, despite ongoing U.S. sanctions. Well, you know, when you take a look at Iran, they've gone around the sanctions. Sanctions don't matter. I need to do one thing. I've got Irina Slav's shirt right over here. Irina Slav, I need to give you a shout out. The sanctions shirt is wonderful. I'll put a picture of it in the show notes. Also, a shout out to Kat Slav from Bulgaria. I got this really cool picture from Kat. Thank you very much, Kat, Irina, and Chris. Thank you guys very much. China's influence on oil market grows with BRICS expansion. Uh, this one is an interesting read. It's from oil price Simon Watkins. Good guy. I was going to interview him uh, last year, but I had COVID and uh, made it a little tough to to uh, do the interview. I'm trying to get him back on. But when we take a look at uh, China is its geopolitical building blocks or another, it has several others that Simon is bringing up. And it is just unbelievable between the uh, bricks and roads. Uh, you also have the G8, the G20. It is amazing what China is trying to do. China anticipates it will be dominated by it, uh, the SCO, 
which is uh, Shanghai Five, that it was set up in 1996, China, Russian, and three states of the former USSR, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and uh, Tajikistan. Aside from its vast scope, the SCO believes the idea that this practice of the multipolar world, which China anticipates will be dominated by the 2030, uh, Russian Foreign Minister. Sergey Lurgov uh, has since stated the Shanghai, Shanghai Corporation organization is working to establish a regional and just world order as it provides us with unique opportunity to take part in the process forming a fundamentally new model of geopolitical integration. All right. So we have the WEF, World Economic Forum. We now have the SEO. We have BRICS. We have the UN. We have the EU. My head's exploding with all the people that are trying to like take over the world. And quite honestly, I would think this is more like uh, a Mike Myers uh, film um, when he was the oh the the comedian in uh, oh I can't even think of the movie, but I know everybody knows what the movie is. Um, in fact, I was just talking to somebody about it the other day. U.S. offshore wind project seeks looser subsidies in the fight for their survival. This is different than the article we talked about for several weeks that projects are being canceled. Now, this one is the components in the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, are actually have several requirements in them to be either built in the United States or assembled in the United States at some percentage. And then also in uh, disproportionately impacted communities, which I love. I think that that's fabulous. But there's not many disproportionately impacted communities offshore. So it just kind of goes without saying that this really is causing some folks some some heartburn. Uh, You have Norway's Equinor, France's Engie, Portugal's EDP Renewables, and trade groups in the uh, U.S. offshored telling Reuters that they are pressing to rewrite the requirements and warning loss of jobs and investments otherwise. It is unbelievable mess. I like some of the restrictions that are on there, but let's go through some of them. Uh, The provisions uh, are key to supporting uh, President Biden's goals to try to reinvigorate U.S. manufacturing jobs through clean energy investments and direct 40% of those to disadvantaged areas. The credits are worth 10% of a project's cost and can be claimed on on top of the IRA's base for a 30% credit for renewable energy projects, bringing a total subsidy is almost 50%. That to me is just unbelievable. And then, as I said yesterday, and I've said many times, the lifespan of offshore wind farms is not 30 years. It's not 10. It's not 20 years, maybe 10. Uh, Fiscally, they become unsolvent after the subsidies run out. And there's a lot of subsidies here in order to get the maintenance done. Eight years is what I found. If you have any other different numbers, please reach out to me. So you can't. Uh, I like what Don Hardy is saying. He's the executive of Orsted's operations in the Americas. You can't put requirements that no one can meet. Well, 
there's got to be a way for these projects to be able to be self-sufficient and market priced so that they can get into the market and tied into the grid and not cost the consumers a lot of extra money. Offshore wind industry already has looser requirements for claiming the bonus than other sectors uh, with domestic uh, content to make up just 20% of the costs compared to 40 for solar and onshore wind. So they can't even make the 20% costs. This, This is why we're seeing some very, very large wind projects being held up Orders are going to be being continued to be pushed out, and that's going to throw China's uh, economy even further down. But I really don't want to support China all that much anymore. Um, did I say that? <laughs>